0: Hey and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen.
1: I do truly wanna say thank you from the bottom of my heart to being in his house today to celebrate his birthday. And so I want you right quick, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter two. We're gonna revisit very quickly some of the things that we've talked about over the last several weeks. We've talked, about, we've talked about Mary, we've talked about Joseph, we've talked about the shepherds, and the thing that we've talked about and we've highlighted is how God used certain things to grab their attention, and how God used things to open their eyes to, to His purpose, and, and how He was preparing them for what we celebrate and what we call Christmas. If you remember Mary and Joseph, one was declared righteous, one was declared the favored one, and God used an angel. Didn't take a whole lot to get their attention. They were kind of on board. But then we looked at the shepherds last week and we talked about how it only not just took an angel, but the angel had to be accompanied by the glory of the Lord, meaning that it it took something more extravagant, it took something more magnificent to get their attention. And so the thing that we pondered and the thing we thought about was, or the thing that I pondered and I thought about was, are there times in our life where it takes God doing things to grab our attention? That sometimes it takes more to grab people's attention than it does others. And so what we're gonna look at this week is something that he used to grab the attention of of what we know as the wise men. And so in Matthew chapter two, We're going to bounce around real quick. We're not going to read this whole section of scripture just for the sake of time, but I want to read verses one and two and then skip down to verses eight through 11. But in Matthew chapter two, we start out by reading verse one. It says, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, magi or wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and we have came to worship him. Skip down to verse 8. And he, in reference to King Herod, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, they went their way and the star, which, was, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until they came and they stood over the place where the child was. Verse 10. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and they worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, the thing we find interesting is that how God used something totally different to grab the attention of these wise men. And what we will learn about these wise men, as you have heard just a moment ago, they're referenced also as magi, and, and what that is is that is someone who, who studied science, They'd love to study science, and one of those areas of science that they studied would have, have been the study of astronomy or the, the study of stars. And so the very thing that I find interesting is how God allowed something that they were interested in, that something that they were passionate about, something that they loved, he used that very thing to grab their attention and to open their eyes to what he was going to do in their life and how he was wanting to prepare them for what we call as Christmas. And so he took the very thing that they desired, the very thing that they were interested in, and they exposed that to them so that it would open their eyes and turn their attention to what was to come. Now, what we realize is that this star that appeared, it created, it created a desire in them to search for something. Now, keep in mind, they would have been very familiar. These wise men or these magi were, were Gentiles. And so understand that there, other than hearing a Jew teach them about the Jewish law or the Old Testament, there's no other way they would have known about that. And so here we take their knowledge of astronomy. We take their knowledge of knowing about these stars. But then also we see that there's been some, some interaction between the exile to Babylon for the Jews. And we see that they were in the, in the, in the realm of, of conversation with these magi or these wise men. And, and so these, these Jews would have been talking about, they would have been engaged in conversation about the history and the prophecies of the Old Testament. And so while we see that there's a lot sort of coming together, that the scholars believe these, these wise men would have been exposed to the teaching of the Old Testament. And so now all of a sudden they see a star appearing in the east. Now accompanied by their knowledge of the prophecies in the Old Testament, it triggered something in their mind to become curious. And what, it, what we see is that, that there's some scholars that believe that, that even they sat under the teachings of Daniel where Daniel would talk about the Old Testament prophecies. One of those in Numbers chapter 24, we see that prophecy talked about. It says, I see him, but not now. Behold him, but not now. And a star shall appear and come from Jacob. And so we see that these prophecies are being spoken about. They've been talked about. And so these magi, these wise men, they had enough knowledge of astronomy And at the same time, they had enough knowledge now of the Old Testament that their interest was piqued, that it caused them to become very curious of what was going on. And so God used the very thing that they were passionate about to turn their attention and their eyes to him. And so when they became intrigued by all of this information... We see then that they set out on a journey, and they set out on a journey to really find out what the truth was. Is there something to the star? Because keep in mind, they would have quickly recognized that there's something different about that star. These men would have been very familiar with the stars in in the atmosphere. They would have been very familiar, and now all of a sudden, there's a star that's not normally there. So they recognized that there was something different and now they're hearing all these Old Testament prophecies in the back of their mind saying that a star from the east is going to rise and we will follow that. And then all of a sudden we see that they step out into this journey to get to the bottom of it. To find out is there truth to this? And what I love, I found this the other day. It said these wise men set out not looking for a holiday. They set out looking for a savior. They didn't set out looking for a holiday. They set out looking for a savior. And so I guess where I would love to pause here for just a minute to just to ask ourselves a question. Has God used something that is very dear to your heart to attempt to turn your focus and your eyes to him? Has God taken stuff that you hold very near and dear to your heart and in reality, what he's simply trying to do is to turn your heart towards him. Because, the, the, you know, I've talked to even people already here this morning. We love to celebrate Christmas. We love being in the presence of God on his birthday. But, but we also realize that for many of you across the room, this is, this is a hard day. This is a hard day because maybe this is your first Christmas without a loved one. What I would invite you to do this morning is to allow God to take the very thing that you hold near and dear to your heart and allow it to turn your focus to him. Because you realize we serve the God of all comfort. God wants to comfort you in this tough season. He wants to hold you dear. He wants to hold you tight. And so this morning, as you're thinking about those people or those individuals that you hold near and dear to your heart, What I would encourage you this morning is to take those things that are near and dear to your heart and allow God, the Holy Spirit, to turn your focus and run to him this morning for comfort, for peace. Because here's the truth. The people that you're missing this morning, you realize they're at the feet of their Savior on his birthday today. And there's nothing they would do to trade places with you. It ain't near as cold in heaven today. But if we will allow the spirit of God to to turn our eyes, to use these very things that are close that we hold dear to our hearts, I believe with everything in me that he would provide comfort. But you know what we see here is, I believe what this exposed in these wise men is that it, it exposed a void in their heart. It exposed an emptiness that they had. And so as they set out on this journey, not looking for a holiday, but looking for the Savior, I believe they were also on the journey to to find what could fill this void that had been exposed in their life. You know, just two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we were at a celebration banquet for a ministry that we support, Straight Street Ministries. And I heard Miss Erin get up and share her story and she said something that absolutely rocked my world. And so, Aaron, I'm sorry if I butcher this, but it's, this is how I heard it, so we're gonna say it anyway. That every person in this room, we're all born with a Savior-sized hole in our heart. But it's something only the Savior can feel. We're all born with a Savior-sized hole in our heart. And only the Savior of the world can fill it. And so I believe in that moment when these wise men were hearing the Old Testament prophecies being spoken, when they were seeing the star being exposed in the sky, I believe what it was doing was that it was exposing this Savior-sized hole in their heart. And they set out on a journey to find the very, the only thing that could fill this Savior-sized hole that they had in their heart. They set out to figure it out. Can this, this Savior of the world, can the Savior of the world fill this void that I'm missing? Because the reality is, is for every person in this room, with all that same Savior-sized hole in our heart, we've all attempted to fill it in some way. We've all attempted it. We've all stepped out into our own journeys to fill this Savior-sized hole in our heart that only the Savior of the world can fill, that only the baby Jesus can fill. And so as these wise men realized this star was an invitation to find that. This star was an invitation for them to discover what could fill the void in their life. You know, this was their invitation to the greatest birthday party in history. This star was an invitation to the greatest birthday party in history. Now listen to me, I'm gonna share a fact with you and this may make you mad, but oh well. Don't go home and throw your wise men away, okay? Your wise men that you have at your manger scene, they were late to the party, okay? Okay? The fact that it says that they're at the manger, that's false. That's something that we've thought up in our minds because scholars believe they were as short as two months late, and some scholars believe they were like two years late to the party. And so I know a lot of us can relate to being late. A lot of them, you know, uh-uh, I'm never late for nothing. Well, the one thing that we can relate to is that they showed up at the party the same way that we show up with the birthday party now. They showed up to the party, whether it was two months or two years later, they showed up with gifts. They showed up with something to offer. They had been invited to God's house to celebrate the birth of the Savior. They had been invited to the very house of God to celebrate his arrival And they showed up bringing gifts. They showed up doing the very same thing that we're doing some 2,000 years later. You better not show up at a birthday party empty-handed, especially if it's one of my kids. They're gonna ask you. It's almost like a pass-in. You're not getting in without a present. So if you don't have one, go get one, then you can come back. And so that's almost the mindset of these These wise men, as they knew that they were invited to this birthday party, and they weren't going to show up without something to offer. Because we realize that a birthday party is not about the people who are attending it. A birthday party is about who you're going to celebrate. But you know, our, our world teaches something totally different. Our world teaches us that everybody owes us something. That everybody's here to serve us. And you know what is so heartbreaking to me? Is that very same mindset has bled over into the church. That same mindset has bled over into the church. Because in case you forgot, We're invited to God's house every single week to celebrate the birth of our Savior. We're invited to God's house every single week to celebrate the God of salvation. But what's heartbreaking is a lot of times we show up to God's house wondering what God's house can do for us wondering what God's house can can offer us. But what we've gotta get back to as a church, as a follower of Christ, is to realize that every single week we have an opportunity to gather in God's house to celebrate one thing and one thing alone, and that's to celebrate the Savior of the world. That never changes. That never changes. That we're invited every single week to come into God's house, to offer ourselves and to celebrate him. You know, I can't help but to think about these little birthday parties that we often do. One of the most dreadful places in my life. Are anybody familiar with flipping fun? (laughs) Horrible. But of course, that's where kids love to do birthday parties. And so I can get the visual picture of of Deacon's birthday. You know, there's all those trampolines and ropes and kids flipping everywhere. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is a disaster waiting to happen. But then you go back to the back room where you're there to celebrate that individual. And you go into that little back room, and, and nobody loves it more than Deacon Ann. Because it's almost like in the middle of the room, there's this little throne. And they get to sit right on that throne. And every table is angled to where their focus is solely on the one sitting on the throne. And those children, they gather around, the moms and dads, they gather around and they, they bring gifts. They're there to celebrate the one that's on the throne. Now, none of us would ever show up to that birthday party and say, you know what, Deacon, today... You thought it was about you, but why don't you get out of the seat? I'm going to sit on your chair today, and today's all about me, but do you realize that's exactly what we do in God's house? There's oftentimes we walk in and we say, you know what? Today, Jesus, slide over. This throne's not about you today. This throne's about me, and so God, I'm going to go, and I'm going to take your rightful place today, and I'm going to critique everything that the church doesn't do right. I'm gonna critique it, man, when it's, I don't like the music. That preacher just talked too long. Nobody said amen, praise God. Mike McCord, I expected you to be the first one. I expected him to have a pom-pom. But you realize that we've gotta get back to understanding that when we come to God's house, the only one worthy to sit on that throne is the savior of the world. Can you imagine what Sunday would look like if we would all show up and we would gather at the throne and the feet of Jesus and offer up all we have and we would celebrate him? Can you imagine what would take place? Can you imagine what it would look like? But I believe, with everything in me, by the actions of these wise men, that was their heart that day. They showed up to this party, and it was all about Him. And we see that even in verse 11. Look with me in verse 11. It says, After coming into the house, didn't say the manger. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. Joseph, who knows where he's at? We can't even mention him anymore now. (laughs) Then they fell on the ground and they worshiped him. They entered the house and they fell on the ground and they worshiped him. Now, what would have been very easy to do because keep in mind, this, this baby is either two months old or two years old. As, a, as an adult, it would have been very easy to walk in and all of our attention go to Mary. To go to Joseph and say, hey, you know what? We want to say thank you for what you've done. We wanna say thank you for letting God use you. We wanna praise you. We wanna say thank you for raising this child. We wanna say thank you. It would have been very, very easy to turn their attention to the adults that they could interact with. But we see that that's not their heart. The very first thing they did is they walked in and they fell at the feet of Jesus because they recognized that Mary and Joseph were nothing more than the support cast of the arrival of the Savior, They were nothing more than the support cast of the arrival of this Savior. Church, what we've got to get back to again, this has to be our heart when we come to God's house. We can never lift the support cast higher than the Savior. Let me repeat that. We can never lift the support cast in the church higher than the Savior. It can't be about a band. It can't be about a pastor, it can't be about a small group. It can't even be about a ministry. What we've got to make sure the focus is is the only thing that deserves the focus, in his name is Jesus. We can't ever lift the support cast higher than the Savior. Now don't get me wrong. All that stuff's important. All those things are a part of God's ministry and a part of God's process of reaching people. But we can't ever place it higher than the Savior. We can't ever place anything higher than the Savior. We can't ever place a church's name higher than the Savior. Keep reading in verse 11. that the next thing they did. It says, Then, Keep in mind, they've already fell at the feet of Jesus. Then, afterwards, they opened their treasures, and they presented to him the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, each one of these gifts are symbolic that stood for the acknowledgement of them recognizing who this child was. And so we're gonna look at those three gifts very briefly just so that we can understand what they were presenting, what they were giving, what they were acknowledging. And so I wanna look first at frankincense. Frankincense was a a gum-like resin. I think in the South we would call this pine sap because basically they would scrape the bark off of a tree, it would ooze out of the tree, then it would harden, and then they would go and collect it. But what this was used for is when they would offer up a burnt offering, they would add this element so that it would be a present aroma to the nostrils of God in worship, because it put off a very appealing aroma. The Bible even refers to it as it was a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And so this aroma would have been a symbol of something that was worth and pleasing to God. You even read in Exodus chapter 30 where it talks about frankincense being mixed with certain spices and and how this would be offered up to to worship in its purest form because of its smell, because of its aroma. And so by them offering this frankincense, they were acknowledging that Jesus represented a life of pure worship, a life of purity that this son of God, that this baby was gonna do something that man could not do, that it was gonna live a life of purity that, that we all try to live and we all fall short. And so these men are acknowledging that this child has been sent to do what I can't do. It's a pure form of worship. Then we need to see next that, that myrrh was offered. And this myrrh was also used as a fragrance. It was used in perfumes. It was used in anointing oil. But it was also used as the key ingredient in preparing someone's body for burial. It was the key ingredient of the embalming process. And so what they're acknowledging is not only is is Jesus here to live a life of purity, but we're also acknowledging that this son of God is gonna die on our behalf that he's been sent not just to live, but he's been sent to die. So they're acknowledging what's gonna take place in the Son of God's life. And so the two questions that I would wanna pose to this entire room are, are those very two questions. Can you acknowledge the same thing that these wise men could acknowledge? Could you acknowledge that Jesus was sent to live the life that you and I cannot live. He was sent to live a life of perfection that you and I cannot achieve in our flesh. And the second question is do we believe and acknowledge that Jesus' death was gonna pay the penalty of our sin? That he was gonna do for us again what we don't have the ability to do on our own? And if we believe that Jesus As the purest life that was given to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. and We also acknowledge and believe that, that this life was gonna be sacrificed to pay the sin or the price of our sin. Then all of a sudden it begins to to transform our heart in offering those things that are most valuable to us which brings us to the gift of gold. The gift of gold, even in its day and this day, was considered the most precious gift. It was of the most value. It was the universal symbol of value and wealth. And because of its worth, if you look back into the Old Testament and the the building of the temples, everything was overlaid with gold. Because of its beauty, because of its price, because of its value. And so here these men are, these wise men, and obviously wealthy because they possess this, this precious metal. And we see that they're taking a very thing that is, that is worth who knows what to this world and they're laying it at the feet of Jesus. They're offering something of value to the Savior of the world. And so we would be led to believe as these wise men, if they're, if they're willing to lay something at the feet of Jesus that is that valuable, then what would they not be willing to lay at the feet of Jesus? And so when I examine my heart and my life and I think about things that are of value to me, when I think of things that are of value to my family, am I laying the very things that are most valuable to me at the feet of Jesus and saying, God, I want you to use this. God, I want you to use these things that are precious to me. God, I want you to use these things that are of value to me. God, I want you to use all that I am. Have you handed over those things to the Savior of the world? And what I mean by that is, maybe for some of us, the very thing that we need to lay at the feet of Jesus is our children. They're of value to us. There's no price tag you can put on our children. But as a mom or dad, have we taken the responsibility to say, hey, God, here's my child that you've entrusted me with, and I'm laying them at your feet, and I want you to use them. Because you know, as a parent, there's certain things that scare us to death. And some of those are what is God gonna call our children to do? There's no doubt in my mind, there's one of my children, I believe God's gonna call into the world of being a missionary. And can I tell you as a dad, I don't like that. And what I've gotta make sure that I do as a dad is don't stand in the way of God doing that. heard a pastor say one time, he says, I want to be that dad that when my daughter comes to me and tells me that that God has called her to go the other side of the world to be a missionary. He said, I want to be that dad that beats her to the bedroom and helps her pack her bags. He says, my child, go because you're not mine. Moms and dads, do we need to lay our children at the feet of Jesus and say, God, use them. Maybe you're here this morning and the very thing you need to lay at the feet of Jesus is your influence, whether it be in the workplace, whether it be on a ball team, whether it be at the school. God, you've given me a platform of influence. So God, I'm laying that influence at your feet and God, I want you to use it for your glory. Maybe your job is something that's of value to you. When is the last time you've said, God, I want you to use my job to bring your name glory? Maybe your marriage. Maybe your marriage is the very thing you need to lay at the feet of Jesus and say, use my marriage to bring you glory. Maybe God's blessed you with finances and you need to say, Jesus, these are very valuable to me. God, I'm using these for your glory. Here they are. They're yours. And so we see that these wise men, they showed up and they were offering everything that they had as a form of saying thank you to what the Savior had been sent to do. He'd been sent to live for them, but he'd also been sent to die for them but he was also sent to overcome death, hell, and the grave. And what I mentioned a moment ago is we see that the offering of these gifts, it came after they had already fell at the feet of Jesus. So it's almost like they couldn't do enough to say thank you. And you're really about to be introduced to, to how my mind's working again And Landon Mealer, you'll really appreciate this. I've got a chick flick reference for you. If you don't know, I I like chick flicks. You don't have to think. You just pick up right where you left off. But I think about the scene from Jerry Maguire. That's an old one. So a lot of you old folks, you can remember that one. Young people, you need to watch that one. It's a good one. But if you remember, Jerry and his wife had had split up. Jerry was going out and doing his own thing. And, but in that moment, when, when that athlete that he was the agent for arrived, he's watching this whole thing come to fruition. It's everything they've worked for. It's everything they've tried to accomplish. And here Jerry's having to do it by himself because he wasn't with his wife. And he decides, hey, I'm going to get her. So he busts up into his home and there's a bunch of women in there Who knows what they're talking about? He like stepped foot in the estrogen ocean and it's just like, oh my goodness. And so then he begins to pour his heart out. And he begins to weep and he says, I'm here to get my wife. And he goes and he unpacks all the mistakes that he's made. He goes and unpacks all that he's missing, everything that he, he missed in that moment with her not being there. He pours his heart out and he goes on and on. He's offering everything that he has. And then all of a sudden his wife goes, shut up, shut up. You had me at, hello. What I wonder was that even the heart of God that day? These wise men walk in, they fall on their face to worship the Son of God, and then they begin to offer up gold, frankincense, myrrh. They poured out all they were, they poured out everything they had. And I just wonder if the Son of God, if the Holy Spirit of God, was saying, You know what? Shut up. You had me at hello. All I want is your heart. All I want is your heart. All I want you to do is, is acknowledge me for who I am and what I've been sent to do. You know, there's somebody here today, you need to hear that. You may not have the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh to offer. If I can say this in a non-offensive way, shut up. You had him at hello. All God wants is your heart. All God wants is for you to acknowledge that he came to save you, that he came to redeem you, that he came to restore you. And so maybe this morning that needs to be your response. Maybe you can examine your life and you can go through all of those gifts and and say, God, what what things am I holding so precious to my heart that I need to let go of today and ask you to use them? What do I have, God, that you've given me to make sure that your name is glorified and not mine? Is it your children? Is it your family? Is it your story? Is it your home? Is it your job? Is it is your influence? And for many of you, you can check the box on those, but when is the last time you've laid those at his feet? When is the last time you've said, God, use all that I am. Use all that I am to bring your name glory. Or maybe today, you you may be here and you don't even have a relationship with him. Don't worry about all that gold, frankincense and myrrh. You just simply ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life today. You repent. Quit trying to fill that savior-sized hole that's in your heart. Quit trying to fill that with what you're doing, with checking the boxes, with, with dotting the I's, with crossing the T's. And acknowledge today that Jesus was sent to do what you can't do. Can I tell you, there would be no better way to celebrate Christmas than your rebirth, than you being born again in Christ Jesus. And maybe today you don't even wanna be here. That's okay too. That's okay too. But my prayer has been today that there's going to be somebody in this room that meets the Savior of the world today.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.